supposed to give a thoughtful and thorough answer when I ask you that from up front? We're doing things just a little bit differently today because uh, the call to worship this morning is actually going to be the sermon. So uh, I need you to kind of get ready. Come on, rev up, because we're going to jump right into the Word because what we're going to do at the end of the sermon is we're going to give you an opportunity to actually personally practice what it is that we have been talking about from Scripture. You got that? You ready? You know, I was thinking about, Kevin was like, can we do that? Can you start a sermon without a song? And I says, I was like, you know, whenever I work on my motorcycle, I always go to YouTube and find somebody that will tell me how to fix whatever it is that I need to fix. I never go and listen to a song before I go to that YouTube video. I never kind of gear up, you know, praise the Lord, you know, and then I'm ready. I go right into it. So what I want you to do is if you have a piece of paper and a pencil or some kind of writing utensil, I want you to get it out because what we're going to talk about, we're going to work through. So take some notes because you're going to need them when I finish my sermon in about four hours. Because <laughs> we're, going, we're going the distance, uh, you know. So uh, we're in Philippians chapter 4. We've been working our way through Philippians. And do I have a reader this morning? Do Now, come on up. All right. And we're in verse 4 of chapter 4 which is in the book of Philippians, which is in the Bible. So if you have a Bible, uh, get it out. If you don't have a Bible, uh, there should be some scattered out the room. And what page number is that, Dave? Do you know? Does anybody got a page number from the House Bible? 1181. If you don't know where the book of Philippians is, just go to 1181, the House Bible. Natalie. Okay, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So Lord, help us, because there's people in this room that are going to love this passage for the wrong reasons. And there are going to be people in this room that hate this passage for the wrong reasons. So let us love and hate for the right reasons. In Christ's name, amen. So this is that passage that maybe you've heard before, Rejoice in the Lord Always. Did any of you grow up in a youth group where you sang that song? Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. No. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Wow, y'all are hurting me this morning. But this song, you know, when I heard that growing up, and uh, when I've studied this passage, uh, I never understood the context in which Paul is saying that. Because if you go back to verse 1, and we talked about this last week, he's talking about these two women, Euodiah and Syntyche, that there were these two women in the church that were in conflict with one another. And he, he was talking about this conflict without any details whatsoever because he assumed that everybody in the church knew that these two women were in conflict. He, he didn't say, hey, let me tell you about these two women, and you're not going to believe this, but they're at odds with one another. 
He didn't say that. He said, y'all all know what's going on with these two women. And what I need you to do is I need y'all as a community to step into the middle of their conflict and help them resolve it. So Paul is taking them by the hand and bringing them into the room of conflict. And as he's bringing them into the room of the conflict, he's going, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Paul is actually saying to this church, when you step into conflict, you need to be a rejoicer. So here's what I want us to understand. As we come out of COVID, as you come into this church, if you decide that you're going to be fully human and you're going to let the people around you be fully human, you are going to experience conflict. You're going to do it. In fact, it's healthy when we experience conflict. In fact, it's normal when we experience conflict. And you may not know this or believe this, but we need conflict in this room. We need conflict in this church. So some of you are like, that's impossible, because you're like Tobias in, you know, Arrested Development. He's a never nude. Like, you're a never conflict. Like, there's some people in this room, like, I will never, ever, 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 ever walk into conflict. In fact, whenever there seems to smell like conflict, I'm looking for the escape hatch. Then we got people in this room on the other end of the extreme that are like, conflict? Are you kidding me? Yes, everything is conflict. I'm all in. I want to fight about everything all the time. In fact, some of you believe that the only time that people are really honest is when they're in conflict. And so we've got these two extremes, and if we live in these two extremes, let me tell you what's going to happen in this community. The people that love conflict are actually going to, they're going to control the dialogue of this church because everybody else is going to be running away from them. They're going to become the thermostat in the room, which, is it too cold in here? Too warm? All right, okay. Uh, that, that the people that love conflict are going to control what happens here at Midtown, and we can't have that. We can't have the people that are avoiders, that are silent, the people that love conflict, the only ones that are speaking. We need to grow and we need to mature as a community in the way that we fight, in the way that we do conflict. In James chapter 4, James starts talking about what causes fights and quarrels among you. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. And then he goes on to talk about you covet, and he talks about the destructive force of conflict. And then he says in verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, there's conflict right there. I know. <laughs> resist the devil. <laughs> what he's saying there is if we don't handle conflict in a mature, gospel-centered way, the enemy loves that. Because what he's going to do is he's going to stir up conflict here at Midtown and in his community and he's going to distract us from who we are and what we've been called to do. So how do we deal with conflict? How do, how do we walk into conflict? First, let me just say, first, you have to deal with you before you try to deal with other people. If you don't take the time to deal with you, with your anger, with your fear, with your sadness, or even possibly your rage, then you're going to demand that other people deal with that instead of you dealing with that. Let me tell you, this is going to sound outrageous, but conflict is a fight to bring peace here. 
Conflict is not a fight to bring peace here. See, we're the church. We have the peace of Christ. We bring peace into conflict to fight for peace and community. But if we switch that around and go, conflict is to bring peace here, then I'm demanding something from conflict that conf- conflict can never give me. See, Paul is saying, hey, Midtown, slow down. S- slow down. And he says, I want you to slow down, and I want you to take time to do good work here before you try to go do good work there. And that's not uncommon. I mean, if you've studied much of Scripture in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Look at this, this plank, this beautiful illustration. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? He says, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will, clear, you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And what's remarkable about that, Jesus didn't say you should not take the speck out of your brother's eye. He's saying, let me tell you how to take the speck out of your brother's eye. First, you deal with you and take the plank out of your eye. Then you have the capacity and the humility to come and take the speck out of your brother's eye or your sister's eye. And this is the gospel. The gospel, and we talk about this all the time, we love because we are loved. If we're bad at loving, it's because we're worse at being loved. Like, we need our cup of love to be filled so that then we can go love. We're generous. We're generous people because we understand how generous God is to us. I'm not generous when I forget how generous my Father is. And I forgive only when I understand how much I'm forgiven. The two are connected. In the same way, Paul is saying, hey, you deal with you. Go to the source of being blessed before you try to bless someone else. So here's what he says in this passage. This is how we're going to do it. You ready? If you're you're taking notes, you can write this down. He says, you want to deal with yourself before you deal with conflict. Rejoice, gentleness, anxiety, and think the best. So rejoice, gentleness, anxiety, and think the best. Here's a step process of preparing ourselves to walk into conflict. So let's start. He says rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. So this may seem crazy to you, but Paul is saying that when you're in a conflict or when you have conflict, that could be with somebody in this room, that could be with a spouse, it could be with a family member, It could be somebody that you're at work with or somebody that you used to work with or a neighbor or somebody that was an old friend or a new friend or a friend you dumped because you're unwilling to walk into conflict. Whatever that situation is, Paul is saying, as as awkward and painful and horrible as that conflict is, rejoice. Some of you are like, that's insanity. But here's what I think Paul is trying to say to us. Healthy, healthy, and unhealthy conflict both reveal something. What healthy and unhealthy conflict reveals is what really matters to us. See, what Paul, I think, is saying is is you ought to rejoice that what God is revealing to you is what you're willing to fight for, what you're willing to fight about. Because remember, um, 
when we talked about chapter one, the goal of our lives is to love. Like you, the goal of your relationships with the people in your life and the goal of your relationship with you and the goal of your relationship with God is to love. He even says, this is my prayer that you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. That what we labor for, everything here at Midtown, is to mature you and your capacity to be loved and to love. And we want you to grow in that in knowledge and depth of insight. And what brings depth of insight? Understanding. And what does rejoicing do? Rejoicing allows me to pause and ask myself honestly, Lord, what is it that I'm fighting for? What is it that I value? What is it that I love? <clears throat> what are you showing me about me? When uh, Renee and I first got married, we just left graduate school. I mean, when I say we're broke, I mean, we're talking like raiding the, the living room couch for change for pizza kind of broke. And we'd moved into this new house in Virginia, and she came in one day, and she was just carrying just armfuls of picture frames. And she walked in the house, and I said, wow, where did you get those picture frames? She goes, well, I bought them. And I'm freaking out, because I managed the checkbook, and I knew we didn't have any money to buy picture frames. We had, we had a knockdown drag out. And at that moment, what I realized was uh, you don't care about our financial problems. You don't care about uh, the struggle that I have in keeping our books balanced. You don't care about me. But when we paused and rejoiced, we realized that's not true at all. What she cared about was our family. What she cared about was our home. What she cared about was beauty. What she cared about was raising our children in a place of beauty and that space matters. And what's in that space matters. When we pause long enough to rejoice, then we start to see, oh, that's what you love. You love us. And you're willing to fight for us. Me, on the other hand, I love money, all right? And I just, I'm willing to fight, honestly. It's like, I just, I love paying the house note. I just don't want to be on the streets. That's beautiful. See, when we stop and rejoice, it gives us a breath to be able to see ourselves. <clears throat> it gives us a breath to see the person we're in conflict with. It gives us the ability to stop and see what we value and to ask the hard question, do I really value that? It's crazy. You know, a lot of conflict, when you begin to get down to the bottom of what it is that you're really fighting for, you may often find you don't want to fight for that. That's not a value that you really want to fight for. So rejoicing allows us to take a deep breath. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to rejoice. And I hope that already you're thinking about the people you're in conflict with. And some of you are saying, I'm not in conflict with anybody. It may be because you're a master avoider. I don't think it's possible to have a, a fully human, alive heart relationship with people and not have conflict. You're going to have it. And so you might want to ask, who are the people that you're afraid to say that you're in conflict with? So rejoice. The second thing is gentleness. Now what we said earlier is, before I can be gentle with you, I've got to be gentle with me. Because the truth of it is, is that what I give myself is what I'm going to give you. Eventually, it's always going to be the truth. Whatever I give myself, if I give myself shame, I'm going to give you shame. If I give myself guilt, I'm going to give you guilt. But if I give myself gentleness, then I have the capacity to give you gentleness too. 
And where is it that we need to go easy on ourselves and be gentle? Well, let me ask you this. What did your family teach you about conflict? When you think about how your family fought growing up, how your parents fought growing up, what did your family teach you? And we often talk about every family has its Ten Commandments. What was your family's commandment about fighting? So Peter Scazzaro, who wrote The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, he often says we have Jesus in our hearts, but we've got Grandpa in our bones. That we, we tend to have Jesus here, but we got all this history that seems to have shaped us in the way that we approach life. And if we don't acknowledge our history and the way we've, we've accepted all these things, then it's hard to put them down and pick up the, the new family values of being in Christ. So I grew up in a home, and <clears throat> like many of you, and I, I can honestly tell you that I never saw my parents fight, not once. Never. And I've heard people say that with such pride. You know, my, I never saw my parents argue. I never saw them lose their temper with one another. I never saw them fight. And here's what's crazy about my home is that my home was messed up, and I never saw my parents fight. Never. And I'm telling you that the capacity that, that my family had to take issues and shove them underneath the water and hold them down there and pretend that everything was okay was almost supernatural in their ability to do that. Like, if we had time, and uh, yeah, I could swap stories with you. I'm talking about, I grew up in, a, in a, a crazy house. You ever been one of those fun houses at the fair where it has all the mirrors that are all weird? That's, that's the house I grew up in. Here's the worst thing is that I got married thinking that wasn't crazy house, that's normal house. And then I married a wife who also grew up in a crazy house because we all grew, grew up in a crazy house, and we're all looking at each other's mirrors going, what's wrong with your mirror? See, my family taught me this. You never, never, never address anything that you got problems with. If you're, if you're in an argument or a conflict, it's because everything got out of control. That the good life is the no conflict life. Zero conflict. So when I got into conflict with my family or with my brothers or my extended family, it was so dark. It was so scorched earth. It was so brutally violent in the way it was approached because everybody felt guilty for being in in the first place. Wow, that didn't mess me up at all, did it? How'd your family deal with it? Did your family teach you to be an avoider? Did your family teach you to be competitive in conflict? To where the goal of conflict is to win at whatever cost? Did your family teach you to be an accommodator? Which is what you valued and what you love doesn't matter. You're willing to put all that down and be a doormat just so we can get back to a place of peace. That whoever's loudest in your family got what they wanted because everybody else just wanted them to calm down, just settle down, stop the conflict. Maybe you grew up being a compromiser. Maybe you're, you're one of those flash and run. As soon as there's a flash that appears to be conflict and you're, you're a runner, or maybe you're a smile and melt, that when conflict happens, you're all cool on the outside, but inside you're melting and you're willing to say yes to anything just to get out of this situation or to make the situation not be so tense. Or maybe you're a scorched earth, you know, where 
when you get into conflict, you've learned that uh, there's only going to be one person that walks out of this room, and it's going to be me. Well, gentleness is actually acknowledging what your family taught you about conflict and being gentle with yourself and going, I don't think I'm good at conflict. That's gentleness. I don't think that my family maybe taught me a healthy way to step into conflict and to be gentle with yourself and going, I think I need to learn a new way to do conflict. That's gentleness. That's kindness to yourself. See, remember, the goal of conflict is love. That the goal of conflict is to grow. And if we're gentle with ourselves and then we wade into that with community, then actually I can be gentle with you. You may not know this. It's been on our website and we've been sending out emails, but I'll let you know we've been looking for an assistant pastor to come and help at this campus. So about a year ago, in the midst of COVID, we were like, hey, let's start looking for somebody. And I, I told the elders here, I said, no problem, I'll find them. I, I know lots of guys. Well, I'll go out and get them and don't worry, we'll interview them and, uh, and I'll bring them to y'all and we'll figure it out. And one of the elders said to me, he said, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-oh. Uh Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And that elder said, you know what, I don't think that's the best way to do that. And I said, why? And he began to say, he said, you know what, I think that that we need the voice of our women in this community. And that we, we need to gather women from our community to help us figure out who's a good person to bring on this team to help shepherd this congregation. Well, my value was to get the job done. Their value was to get the job done well. And you see how the two values came together in gentleness and actually made us a better community. That's what conflict does. Conflict allows more values at the table and gentleness to be heard so that we can be a stronger community and go, should we really love that? Should we really fight for that? In the new family, we are gentle because we understand that conflict is not the end of the story, it's actually the beginning of the story. And it gives room for people to bring their values and what they love to the table and a healthy place fight for those things. You tracking with me? You ready? Okay, rejoice, gentleness, and then here we go. Here comes the mind games, all right? Because look what he says next, do not be anxious. Uh-oh, that's insane, that's impossible. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God will transcend all understanding and guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see what he's doing is, have you ever had a conflict with somebody? Uh, somebody said something to you that really like, rubbed against you in a wrong way, or they did something that really hurt you, or you got betrayed? or, or you, Have you ever thought about it after they did it? Like, have you ever not stopped thinking about it after they did it? Have you ever gone to bed at night, you put your head on a pillow, and you're replaying what they said and what they did? And you're replaying what you said and what you did? And you're, you're saying, how dare they do that? Like, don't they know? And you start getting into the courtroom, and you start creating your case of why you're right and why they're wrong, and you start creating evidence, you know, and they said, oh yeah, don't you remember when they said that? They said that, oh, two years ago, you remember when they did that? That proves that what I did was, you know, we get in the courtroom, and what starts to happen is our anxiety starts to build up more and more and more and more until we feel completely 
self-righteous. We, we feel completely self-justified, and we feel completely right in self-protection. And we have built a wall around ourselves with anxiety that you are unsafe, and I'm not going anywhere near you, and I'm going to lob my bombs over my wall at you. And the way I'm going to do it is passive-aggressive. <laughs> you know, how are you doing today? Just fine. That's anxiety. Because anxiety never leads, leads me to love. Anxiety always leads me to self-protect. Now, that's one part of it. But what about that moment where you decide, okay, I'm going to go into the room of conflict and we're going to try to work it out. What happens with your mind the night before? Is it anxiety? So my daughter came to me about three weeks ago. She called me and she goes, where are you? I'm at, the, I'm at the house. She goes, right, stay there. And so she came over and she sat down. She goes, okay. She took a deep breath. You said something to me last week that really hurt my feelings. And I'm like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm so self-protective. I don't know what she's talking about, but I'm right. And uh, I said, well, tell me. And she told me the story. And um, and I could tell she was tense, and she was really built herself up to get over there. And uh, it was beautiful, because she expressed herself with eloquence. And I said, oh, I can see how you see that. That's not at all what I was trying to say, but I could see how you would hear it that way. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I, let me tell you what I really feel about this situation and how I really feel about you. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful, she was so mature in the way she approached it. But let me tell you, that if that's the room of conflict and this is the threshold, here's what anxiety does. Anxiety goes, don't you step over that threshold. Anxiety goes, because if you step over that, that threshold, let me tell you what's going to happen. And anxiety starts to create this fear narrative. Once you get into this room of conflict, this is what they're going to say, so you better plan what you're going to say. And then you better plan what they're going to say, and then they're going to say, and then what they're going to do. And then here's your defense for this. Anxiety prepares you for a future that doesn't exist. And if I don't deal with my anxiety on this side of the threshold, I'm going to bring it into this room, and I'm going to demand that conflict take away my anxiety. Won't do it. So Paul says, hey, over here on this side of the room of conflict, you deal with you. And how do you do it? Prayer and petition. Go to the Lord. Go to the Lord and give him your anxiety. And he says, the peace of God, which transcends your understanding and mine, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I know this is, this is a mystery, but it's not mysterious. And if I can't spend time with the Lord in prayer, my personal experience, if I cannot get my anxiety to a place of peace, then I call my friends and I say, would you come and pray with me? Would you walk with me so that I don't bring my anxiety? And let me tell you, walking into this room, you don't walk in fearless. You, I don't know of anybody that walks into conflict without some amount of fear unless they're unhealthy. We, uh, that having no anxiety is not having no fear. But fear, there's a difference between being anxiety-ridden and having a peace. And a peace is, I may still have fear, but I know I'm not alone. That's, that's what peace allows me, is the grace and the confidence. Now, I'm walking into this room, and I'm afraid, but I'm not alone. 
So Paul says, deal with your anxiety, acknowledge it, see it, deal with it. So rejoice, be gentle with yourself and your story, deal with your anxiety, and then finally he says, what? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And let me give you just a quick translation because I'm, I'm about out of time. It's what is he saying about now make your mind think of good things. About who? About the person you're in conflict with. Think well of them. Think the best of them. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Because when I think well of you, here's what happens when I walk into the room of conflict. I listen. Anxiety is demanding that I be heard. Peace and thinking well of you because I am curious. I'm curious to hear what's going on with you. What do you value? Let me value you even if I don't value what it is that you're valuing. Hmm. And then finally, Paul goes, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. What is he saying? Go. <clears throat> Get into it. Go. And the key verse is here, the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. When Christ went to the cross, he took away our sins. But when he rose again from the dead, he rose us to newness of life. And you know what that means for us? We are never alone. Every situation that we are living our lives in is a spiritual situation. Every moment of every day is a holy moment because the dwelling of the Holy Spirit is inside of me. So wherever I go, he's going. And he's saying, hey, remember that I set you free to peace. I set you free from conflict with God. I set you free now to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. And know as you go, I go with you. So you can see, if we as a community learn and grow and mature in our ability to, to have conflict with one another, What's going to rise up is these beautiful values. What's going to rise up is this beautiful thing called love. And we're going to grow in our ability to understand and discern and have knowledge about how to love each other well so that we can love this city. Because, see, here's the crazy thing. Is that we don't go to church. We are the church. We are the church. And when we come together like this, we are, we are partaking by faith in the things that God calls us to partake in so that we can live out the life that he's calling us to live. It's, it's one of the things that has grieved me the most coming out of COVID is that I've, I've talked to a number of people that have just said, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to come back. You know, we, we kind of like the Sunday morning pajamas. And I'm like, and the waffles. And I'm like, I get it. I'm coming over. I'm going to join you. But you and I have to fight. You know why we have to fight? Because they're starting to value something that's counter to who Christ made them to be. Because God is saying to them, by faith, you need to come and partake of the communion of the saints. You need to come and partake of the lifting up of the worship of your God together with God's people because he dwells in the praise of his people. You need to come and participate in the communion that we take here in the life of this body. You need to come and practice loving and being loved and I need you to value what is most true about you instead of your pajamas and your waffles. 
See, that kind of conflict is going to make us a stronger community. Okay, you ready? So what I'm going to do is we're going to lead you through a time of you spending time with yourself right now with the help of the Lord. So if you've got a, a pencil or a piece of paper, get it out because we're about to go into song. I'm going to get the worship team to come in and uh, get all set up. Worship team, come in. That's, that's their cue. Worship team, come in. <laughs> yeah. So would you take a minute and would you, uh, would you write down who are you in conflict with or who's in conflict with you? And you may say, well, nobody. Nobody? There's nobody that in your life that you've experienced or experiencing some distance, some disagreement, some disgruntle, some somebody that you feel is a difficult relationship that uh, you've avoided or that you've burned to the ground. And we're, we're going to rejoice for that conflict. Because where the Lord is, is the Lord's work. And he's working all things together for the good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Father, as we come into this song and <coughs> we practice rejoicing in conflict, we find ourselves um, maybe finding it hard to do that. Would you draw near to us and just let us see honestly uh, the broken relationships, um, the way we have hurt people or the way people have hurt us um, that Lord we would um, even begin to thank you for that conflict as a way to display to us who we are who you are and who they are let us rejoice